I've got some competing, um, I've got some competing things that I need to accomplish this morning, but while Jesus has our attention, um, I, let, me, let me start with that. I don't, think, I don't think anybody's unaware of some of the events that are occurring in our globe, the conflict in Eastern Europe, and the, the conflict in the room at the moment. <laughs> Not that the two are on par. Um, but I just, my, my heart has been broken, and my concern for us as followers of Jesus is to be aware that uh, everybody loses in a war and to pray for all the people that are involved, um, that are close, that are far, that like, this is going to impact all of us. Um, and Jesus is concerned for every, every human. So uh, as we navigate conversations with people, um, then keep that in mind. Uh, we've got a neighbor here, even um, a couple streets over, uh, Ludmila. She goes by Mila, because it's hard to say Ludmila as an American. Um, but one of the things that, uh, as she struggles with English um, coming from Ukraine and as she prays for her family in Ukraine, um, one of the things that she has said that has um, been helpful to her is that we pray the same prayer. And so as we begin this morning, like I'd just like to pray together the disciples' prayer. Obviously, we use different words as we do that. But would you bow your heads, bow your hearts? Um, and if you'd like to say this with me, um, let's begin here. With our brothers and sisters across the globe, we pray to you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I wanted, wanted to start there. As Jesus had our attention, um, I, that was not where I planned to start. So I'm going to take a step backwards and take a step down. Um, if you've been joining with us at Neighborhood Church at all, you've noticed that one of the things I don't do is make announcements in, in, in the Sunday mornings. Um, that's on purpose, and so if you want to know what's going on, the best way to keep in touch with, with that is to subscribe to our email. Uh, we call it the Gazette, um, so that's how we do announcements. Occasionally, like this morning, I'll pause and make a, make a couple, and so this is a morning where I do want to make a few announcements. The first is if you are uh, new to Neighborhood Church and trying to figure out what your next steps are, um, this evening I'm going to be doing a little class here. We just call Welcome to the Neighborhood. Um, it's, a, it's kind of a class. It's kind of more a conversation. I um, want to share a little bit about who we are and what God is building in us, but also want to hear from you where you're at and what you think God is leading you towards. Um, so that's at four, and if you want to do that, then, um, then let me know, and we'll make sure to get that going. And if you, uh, we can do that online. If you're watching online and you want to check in with us, then you can do that through Zoom, which would be awesome. If you are here in person and you want to join us in person, that'd be great, because at five this evening, we're doing a neighborhood meal, so free meal, a little bit of a class, a little bit of a conversation, free meal at five afterwards for all of our neighbors. You're invited and uh, encouraged to bring a neighbor with you. So that's a little bit, a couple of things that are going on. So great. Thanks so much. I'm done with the announcements. <clears throat> I hate making announcements because we get to these points where we're so focused on Jesus and we got to stop and think about real life. And, uh, I don't like that. Anyway, <sighs> good morning, church. <laughs> 
Welcome to our neighbors. I am glad to be together with you. We have come now to the end, or this morning are coming to the end of our series that we've called Building One Another. One of the super clever things that probably nobody noticed is that as we've gone, we have constructed this uh, graphic and we've put the landscaping in. So this is the last, this is the last Sunday. We've got all of the components that we've been building together. Um, and it occurs to me as I was preparing this week that all of the graphics have been building a house. Um, but all of my metaphors in the sermons have been building a body. So I'm sorry, but <laughs> here we go. Um, that's, that's how it goes. So uh, because we've done so much already, like I don't really have a, a hook or, or some kind of a, a presentation. Um, but we have been working together through 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, these, this, this, the end of this book. And typically, if you're going to do a, uh, a sermon series, you're gonna, or if I was going to do a sermon series... I would do it through the whole book of Thessalonians, and we would get to this like shotgun passage of a bunch of instructions, and it would be the last sermon in a series, and we'd hit them all at the same time, and we wouldn't get to chew on them very much, and then we'd move on with our lives and forget what they said. So what we've done with this series is taken the conclusion of this letter and gone through it real, real slow, like two, three verses a week, and really chewed on what are the instructions here? How are we supposed to... Uh, live our lives, and what are we supposed to be doing? Um, and as we've done that, uh, we've done it acknowledging that this was a letter that was written to a group of people that as they chose to follow Jesus, as they chose and were trying to do the right thing, they just kept making opposition. Every time they tried to do the right thing, things would fall apart, they'd, get op- they'd be opposed, they would chase, their leaders would be chased off, and so they were, so Paul is writing to these people that as they try to do the right thing, life just keeps getting harder and harder and harder. Um, and he says, you guys are children of light living in a dark world. And how are you going to survive as children of light in a dark world? You're going to need one another, build one another up as you are doing. So I'd encourage you to read together with me from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to begin in verse 11, and I'll read the whole passage before we zero in on some verses there in the middle. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, um, and it's on page 1231 if you're using these blue Bibles uh, that are tucked under the chairs or surrounded around. But as we navigate there, we will read together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So I'll stop there. And so we've worked through a different chunk of these verses uh, together as we've gone through this series. So if you read something there, like, what's that about? Go back, check the YouTube page, and you can, you can follow up. But what I want to focus in on this morning are these verses right there towards the end. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. 
Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And so let's start to, oops, let's start to take some of this apart. I hit the wrong button. There it is. Okay, cool. There we are. What are we talking about? Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So it seems like to me, and I am a student of this. Let me, let me start off with the qualification. I'm a student of this. I'm going to share with you where God has me and how I understand this this morning. I acknowledge that it's not going to be the same as how other people approach the passage. Um, and I'm willing to change my mind, but this is what it seems like to me this morning. It seems to me like there's a contrast. There are two kind of personalities that are at war here. And the first one are the people that want to quench the spirit. And the second one are people that naturally want to despise prophecies. So it's helpful, I think, to start with defining the terms. What does it mean, the spirit? And what does it mean, prophecies? I think as you look in scripture, every time the spirit shows up, there's some kind of a creative work that's going on. So the spirit, I think, is representative of God's creative work. Um, he, he is seen in Genesis right at the very beginning as God creates, the spirit is there hovering over the waters. And when the spirit shows up, God's getting ready to do something creative, start something new, begin something, and, and that's kind of what the spirit does. He goes where he wants, he brings new life, it's God's creative work. And there are some of us who are wired, like keyed into, I want to follow the spirit wherever he happens to go, and we're like running around trying to chase him as he goes. And, and as we do that, um, we may try, or as we do that, we might be distracted by competing spirits, which would lead us away from the other people. Uh, so that's one. The other people are those that, um, that are uh, keyed in on prophecies. Prophecies, I'm going to say here, are how God sees the world. What is God's view of the news? And most of the time, this is actually revealed in, writ in the written word. So the prophecies are things that get written down, okay? And so there are people that are, so, that are chasing the whims of the Spirit that they neglect what the Spirit has already led people to write down, the prophecies that are revealed. So he's saying here you've got people that are, that are keyed in on this, there are people who are keyed in on this, and he's saying you guys need one another. <laughs> you guys need one another. Some of you are like, well, the Word didn't explicitly say X, Y, Z. Yeah, of course. The word does not explicitly say we ought not feed our kids to sharks, but that doesn't mean that like we have a prohib like that we should be able to feed our children to sharks. No matter how your children were making you feel this week, that's not something I'm going to advocate for. Um, and then there are some of us who are just like going off. So how do we uh, navigate um, navigate some of this? Acknowledge that we have default settings, we have personality types, and some of us are keyed into um, to different ways. Some of us really want it to see it written down, and if it's written down, we can follow it. Um, there's some of us who are like, I just need to, it just needs to feel right, and I just need to follow that. And God has created us in such a way that we actually need both of those things, and they seem like opposites. They seem like fire and ice. They seem like opposites, but they actually go together. Why would you say that, Michael? Well, because he says here, <clears throat> oops, sorry. He says here, do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecies. If you're a person who's way into the, the prophecies and like if God didn't have it written down, then it doesn't count. He's saying do not quench the creative work of God in other people. And if you're the kind of person that says, I'm just going to follow the spirit where it is. He says, well, then don't despise the word that the spirit's already revealed. These two things actually go together. 
which leads us to, uh, well, first, sorry, first, identify with me. What are our preferences for how God leads us? What, what's my preference for how God would lead me? I would much rather have him written, have it written down. I can follow that. I don't trust my emotions, although I like to follow them, um, and I'd rather have things written down. But let's start with identifying how do I want God to lead me, and starting there, we can figure out what does God leading me through this word this morning. Um, and here is our big idea for the morning. Jesus allows varying challenges to balance our growth. Jesus allows varying challenges to balance our growth. He doesn't just have one exercise for us to go through. Um, if, if Jesus' whole thing was, can you master the word? Can you, can you, get a, can you pass a doctrinal exam? Then, like, I could really easily do that. I could, I could study, I could get all the right answers on the test. But that's not the path of following Jesus. Following Jesus is not just knowing the right answers, it's also seeing how it works out in my day-to-day life and how it comes out of my heart. Jesus allows for varying challenges to balance our growth. Just when you think you've got a mastery over something, he's going to throw something out of left field to show you that you have not yet arrived, right? I thought I'd get an amen on that, but it's all right. All right, Jesus allows varying challenges to balance our growth. And what are our preferences? Like, what would we like for Jesus to be doing? Um, Do not quench the spirit. Don't be a wet blanket of apathy for those who are really excited about God. If, If we've been in the church for a while, there's folks that come in and they get excited and we're like, yeah, we tried that in 1983 and it's never gonna work. Uh, or we see people that have just come to Jesus and they're like, yeah, but like, have you really, have you really like seen what the word says about this? Like, how about we balance this out a little bit? And really we're not balancing it out. We're just trying to quench the creative work that God's doing in somebody else. Do not quench the creative work of God. Do not quench the spirit. Likewise, do not despise prophecies. Um, don't, be so, uh, don't be so wrapped up in following what feels right that we neglect what God has revealed as absolutely true. We can trust, and we do, the Bible. (laughs) We trust the Bible. We depend on Scripture as it's our primary guide for life because God leads us most directly through his word. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. There's something else, I think, here um, that's that's buried in this a little bit. Um, Remember... These folks had Paul come and, and, and preach to them, and they started following Jesus because of Paul's preaching, but he really quickly got taken out. And so they are left with a bunch of second-string preachers, right? So, so this is a group of people that have somebody come in and preach the gospel to them. They all started following Jesus, and then immediately the guy that, that had led them to Christ was removed from them, and the people that they're left with are really just trying to figure it out too, but they have the spiritual authority, and so these people are preaching. It's like, yeah, but you're not as good as Paul. And he's like, guys, don't despise the prophecies. These guys are working hard and doing the best they can. That's why I think he starts off with, in this passage, which we're not going to go through today, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. He says, don't, don't hate on the second string preachers. This is who God has left to lead you. Don't despise the prophecies. Test everything. Do not despise the prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good abstain from every form of evil. Test everything. So don't despise everything. 
Here's my cynics. Cynics, raise your hand. It's me. It me. Oop. I did it again. I've never hit that button before. I've hit it twice in the last five minutes. <clears throat> cynics, that's me. Don't be cynical about everything. Uh, test everything. Like, we're like, okay, well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hate on everything. Everything's a bad idea until I come to the conclusion that it's a good idea. Uh, are, are we cynical? But also, don't be gullible. Don't just swallow everything that somebody feeds you. Like, don't, don't, don't despise every time somebody brings something to you. And also, don't swallow every time somebody brings something to you. Test what? Everything. Test everything. What are we going to test it against? We're going to test it against the Word. And as we read the Word, we're going to see Jesus' example, and we're going to say, like, okay, this is what's true, and this is how Jesus acted it out, and so what does that look like here in my neighborhood, in my street, in my living room? Is that what's true? Test everything. You're going to have to chew on it. Don't swallow it whole. Don't just not even put it in your mouth. Chew on some things. There's work chewing. Um, I, uh, Myron asked for, Myron's our, our youngest, and he is two still, two still, yeah. Um, and he asked for a bagel this week, and I was like, oh, and I handed him a bagel. Jesse's like, don't give him a whole stinking bagel. I'm like, why not? She's like, that's a lot of chewing. He's not going to be able to chew all that. He's going to get exhausted just trying to eat this thing. So she gave him half a bagel. Anyway, it's work. It reminded me that it's work to chew. Um, we, we have to have a discernment. We have to be able to weigh things out. We have to have a skill in measurement and weighing and application. How, you ask, do we develop discernment? I'm really glad you asked. Um, and I'm not going to answer the question this, this week because we're getting ready to open a new sermon series next week. Stay tuned. Um, about discernment, growing in discernment, and, and figuring out how do we test things, how do we weigh things. So uh, that series is called Light and Dark. I invite you to join us next week as we open there. God is more concerned about developing our character than he is about our happiness. God is more concerned about developing our character than he is about our happiness. And so there's times where he's going to ask us to chew on things that make us really, really uncomfortable. He wants to develop in us an unwavering character. He wants us to test everything. Jesus says to his disciples, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That's Matthew chapter 10. So is our wisdom, is our wisdom shaped by innocence? Is our wisdom shaped by innocence? My wisdom, most days, I'm, I'm just be transparent with you here. My wisdom, most days, is, is shaped by cynicism. Everybody's out to get me. Everybody's wrong except for me. Right? My wisdom, what appears right to me, is not necessarily shaped by my innocence. How can your wisdom be shaped by innocence? It's a, it's a grasping of what I think we would call the gospel. The good news that none of us has it all together, that all, none of us has it right, that none of us can make our way right before God, that any of us is omniscient and that we know everything that could possibly happen and we know the best way to navigate life. Like, we don't have that responsibility, but we do have the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so our wisdom can come from our innocence before God. Is our wisdom shaped by our innocence? Just let me remind you that Jesus allows varying trials to balance our growth. 
Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. So there's, there's a place, and actually, uh, as I was talking with Pastor Oren this week about this message, he's like, yeah, okay, so now we've come to um, a postmodern idea that like you can't, you can't land on anything and everything's a maybe and that all of life is a gray area. No, he's not saying that as you, as you walk and you balance and you test for what's good, he's not saying you never come to a conclusion. He says at some point you decide and when you decide, hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Like make a decision. Because Jesus allows varying challenges to balance our growth. At some point, we have to make a call. Is this good or bad? And in the time that we make that call, that the Spirit leads us to make that call, hold fast to what is good. If it's good, hold on to it. If it's evil, abstain. That's a simple principle. Nobody's surprised that they came to church and a preacher told them to not do evil, but to hold fast to what is good. Right? Simple principle. A lot more difficult on a Tuesday morning before you had your coffee. Lord, we need you. Every form of evil. I think this is interesting, and I chewed on this a bit. What is every form of evil? Are we just talking about uh, political opponents and global conflict? Every form of evil. Some of those things are real, real clear. Some of them are a lot more subtle. Uh, some like, and I could go super Southern Baptist on you here. I'm gonna avoid doing that. Some of us could say, well, obviously every form of evil is 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 not dating girls who drink, smoke, and chew, right? The people who do bad stuff, we don't hang out with them. That's avoiding every form of evil. Don't talk to those people. That would be a variety of legalism where I can, I can walk through and like as long as I stay on the right track and I do the right things, like then I'm good. There's a, a flip side to that coin is actually something that people call, or I call, I don't know if anybody else calls it, licensure. We say, because I've been set free in the gospel, I can do anything I want and there are no rules and the Holy Spirit's gonna forgive me no matter what. Those are two sides of the same coin. The legalist who says like you can't do any of these things because God's gonna be mad at you if you, don't, if you do them, and the person who says that God's going to forgive you no matter what you do and no matter how you drag his name through the mud, like that's the two sides of the same coin, abstain from every form of evil, whether that's permitting what's evil or, or um, avoiding what's evil to a legalistic standpoint. Obsession or addiction can be just as toxic as complete and utter apathy. So will we submit every piece of our heart to Jesus' will? Will we submit every piece of our heart to Jesus' will? To hold fast to what is good and to abstain from every form of evil? Because Jesus allows varying challenges to balance our growth. Those are the verses that we've read together. Those are the verses that we've studied. Those are the verses that we've chewed on. But I have also made a point to close with these verses here. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I've said those words to you every week. I've tried to close with that because I do think that that is like, that's the key to unlock the lock for all of the things that he just said that we have to do. Because I look at that list and go, that ain't going to happen in my heart. I can tell you that right now. But when I look at Jesus and I gaze upon him and I trust that he's doing the work in me and I know I have confidence that he who calls me is faithful and he will surely do it, then I'm like, okay, maybe there's a hope. Maybe there's a hope for me. Like, and so I wanted to, uh, if you'll let me, share a little bit about these verses too. The goal here is, is sanctification. Sanctification is kind of a Bible word, uh, and, and it means, basically, it means set apart, set apart for a distinct purpose. The quickest way I can explain this to you is with your toothbrush. You have a toothbrush that's sanctified for your mouth and your mouth alone, and there's probably a toothbrush underneath your kitchen sink that's sanctified for a different purpose. That's sanctified. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, set you apart completely for the work that he has called you to do. And may your whole spirit, oh, so yeah, washing, cleaning, sanctified. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not only concerned with the sanctification of your morality. He's concerned about the sanctification of your whole being, your spirit and your soul and your body. God sees us not as just a soul. He sees us as whole beings made in his image. And I've written three or four different sermon series about this, and I don't think I quite understand all of this well. And so there's a lot here that I'm just going to skip over. But simply to say that God sees you as more than just a soul he's trying to pluck out of hell and get into heaven. He's doing more in the world than just trying to save people from burning to death. It's a byproduct of the redemption he's doing in creation. He is redeeming all of creation. What you do with your body affects your soul and your spirit. What you do with your soul and your spirit affects your mind and how you think. What you do with all of those things actually affects your uh, social relationships. And I do think, I am convinced that our social relationships are a part of our being because none of us comes into this world alone. Like, even to exist requires that we have a mother and we are tied to our mother. Like, we are always in community with one another. And so I think part of our being is the, is the social relationship. Yeah, I told you I could get into this. I'm trying not to. I'm trying so hard. <clears throat> there is, um, there is, so he's redeeming our whole body. Every part of our body he's redeeming. Our soul, our spirit, our flesh, our societal relationships. There's one, uh, one author who says that we are complex creatures. We have, he puts them all together. Our will so our will is like our, our desire to do things, our will, which he calls our heart or our spirit. Uh, that's all one thing. As he, I don't know if they're one thing or they're the same thing. Our mind in our thoughts and our mind in our emotions are one thing. Um, our body, obviously, that seems pretty straightforward. If your arm hurts, then you're pretty discouraged, right? If your stomach's upset, it's real hard to praise the Lord. Our social relationships and our soul. So like we are complex beings, but the hope that we have is that Jesus and the God of peace himself is working to sanctify us, set us apart, wash us clean, set us apart for his purpose completely. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And so if you say, like, all right, well, that sounds real, real good, but I'm not, I'm not there. My encouragement to you is to connect to Jesus. He's the only one who does this miracle 
of growing people who have a wisdom that is shaped by their innocence. Because Jesus alone gives us an innocence that we cannot earn by ourselves. Will we submit every piece of our self to Jesus' will? Because Jesus allows varying challenges, all different kinds, physical, mental, emotional, societal, relational. Jesus allows varying challenges in order to balance our growth. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, we need you. We have fallen so far from the way you designed us to be. God, I, I have confessed before my brothers and my sisters this morning my own cynicism, and so I confess it before you, and Lord, I pray that you would reshape my heart as well. You'd give me your eyes to see the world. God, I ask that you would not make us wise in our own sight, but that we would be truly wise, beginning with the fear of you. And grateful for the cleansing that you provide only through your son, Jesus. That our wisdom might be shaped by your innocence. Thank you for your great love for us in spite of ourselves. Lord Jesus, strengthen us and help us to see how best to follow you until you return. In a dark, dark world, would you shine your light in us and through us? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, this message and these questions are uh, designed to be the beginning of a conversation. This isn't the end. We're not done. This is the beginning of a conversation. And so... Um, I'll leave these questions up for you to review and, and wrestle with. Um, but it may also be that you need to wrestle with these questions with other people. And so as we do that, as we begin, and as we prepare to go into the rest of our week, let's take some time in quiet and reflection and talking with Jesus.